And one thing that is a guarantee for sure is that we'll be presented with obstacles. Life is going to be hard. It just is. And there's no doubt that we will all be challenged to overcome emotional, disappointing situations. I'm Leslie Ferry, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of Brise, a mobile app designed to empower individuals and ignite their career success. My personal experiences, a lifelong career in technology, and a deep desire to build something that helps others experience more joy and less stress and anxiety at work led me to create Brise. On our Bright and Wise podcast, we integrate practical skills development guidance with stories of exceptional people who share how they got to where they are today and where they want to go next. My vision is a world where everyone is happy with who they are, skilled at overcoming adversity, and achieving their goals for success. Keep listening to hear how you can become bright and wise. to the Bright and Wise podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Ferry, talking with, well, me, Leslie Ferry. Our future podcasts are going to focus on exploring an individual's self-awareness journey, and they'll be more of a traditional interview style. But for this first one, I thought I would kick it off. So it's just going to be me sharing aspects of my self-awareness journey. Let me start with some background information, kind of who I am, where I've been, and where I want to go. I'm from a small town in central Virginia, and when I was a junior in high school, I decided that for my career, I would become an accountant. So I went to college in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. And then within just five years of my career, I made the decision to move into marketing. So I'm an example of how what you go to school or go to college for and get your degree in may not be where you land ultimately or may not be what field you ultimately uh, work in. The takeaway here is that you should keep all doors and ideas open. I decided at 16 or 17 that I wanted to be an accountant. But then all of a sudden, this person in my company recruited me and said, I'd love for you to be my product manager. And after agonizing over this completely different career path possibility, I took the chance. And I have loved everything that I've learned in marketing since. And look, now here I am building a technology company. So at this point in my life, I'm also the manager of a family of three, me, my husband, Pete, and our rescue lab, Remy. Uh, I, I think my nieces and nephew would say I'm an adored aunt, and certainly along with their adored Uncle Pete, uh, I'm, again, an entrepreneur, and I'm also an aspiring philanthropist. I have this idea, or I should say I've identified an area where I really want to give back to society. It focuses on what I believe is the primary cause of the inequality gap that we're experiencing today. And it's still really early stages of formation in my mind, so I'm still trying to determine how I'll make it a reality, but it, it ultimately is what I hope is my purpose in life. So yes, even though I'm middle-aged at this point, I have aspirations for goals that I want to achieve, and hopefully that will happen. But let's move on to what I've learned uh, about myself from a strength and weaknesses standpoint. I'll start with strengths. I would say I am an incredibly loyal and trustworthy person. I work hard to deliver on my commitments to others. I'm caring and reliable, and it's because I get joy and energy out of helping others, especially my family and friends. 
I think fast and I'm analytical. And I would say these characteristics are both strengths and weaknesses. So when I say I think fast, I I seem to process information pretty quickly. Now, that doesn't mean that I think I'm right. It just means that I process information quickly. <laughs> and so I've learned that I need to be patient and let others catch up with me. And what I've learned is this patience really has helped me to become a more active listener, and especially with my husband. Uh, we'll joke or he'll say, and I don't think he's really joking, occasionally he'll say to me, wait, wait, my, my gerbil is not running as fast as yours is right now, so, so give me a minute. This little time break helps us both make sure that we're on the same page, and then we don't get frustrated with each other thinking, well, the other one's just not listening to me. And as I mentioned, I'm an analytical person. So I think this has led to help me have pretty strong critical thinking and problem-solving skills. I'm always thinking at least three steps ahead, not just about what is immediately in front of me. Because of this analytical approach, I need data or evidence to support an opinion or even a fact, whether it can be quantitative or qualitative information. I just need additional information. Uh, proof or purpose or understanding about something. And I can struggle when someone can't justify their point of view with data, which really gets me more to the weakness element of my analytical thinking uh, skill. I've learned, uh, especially through my role as a manager of others, that I need to help my team understand my way of thinking or, or the way that I think and process information so that really they don't get frustrated with me. I'll keep asking questions, digging deeper to try to unearth the facts that I need to make me feel good about an approach or an opinion, uh, an idea or recommendation, which as a manager asking these questions of a teammate could stress that person out. It might make them feel like they're kind of on the hot seat. So I had to learn I need to be more guiding in my approach, not, not inquisitive in those types of situations. I'm actually quite proud of this learning because I had no idea how I was being interpreted because it was so different than what I intended or how I was contributing to rough patches in relationships with my team members. I needed to understand that what probably felt like pointed questions could sound harsh to others when in my mind I was actually just trying to understand or get to the data point that I needed to understand their point of view. My husband has learned that I, I think this way too, so he's a uh, if he wants to share something with me, but he doesn't have all the data he thinks that I'm going to need to appreciate what he's telling me, he'll start the conversation by saying, no follow-up questions. And so that's a, that's a signal to me that, okay, he, he heard something interesting. If I want to learn more, then he's not going to have the data to answer my question. So I can go explore it on my own if I want. Another of my weaknesses, which, although I'm working on it, can still kind of rear its ugly head occasionally, is that I lack confidence in my intelligence. I watch people spout off all these amazing, impressive points, like maybe um, maybe a history fact or, or something that I can struggle sometimes to recall from my earlier education. And that that knowledge can intimidate me for some reason. So I needed to learn that my intellectual talents are just in different areas, and I needed to stop comparing my intellect to others. Early on in my career, uh, and even in my relationship with Pete, I would get tense if someone questioned my idea or recommendation because my subconscious mind was telling me or suggesting that 
maybe I wasn't very smart. When in fact, that other person was probably just trying to understand my idea or recommendation better. Back then, I didn't appreciate that we as humans can often underestimate how quickly someone else understands what we're saying or our recommendations that we're making. We have to remember we have been thinking about this idea or topic for a period of time. And when we start to share it, it may be the first time the other person has considered the topic. And so they really are just asking questions to really to try to better understand your point of view. Or even if they do understand it, they may just be attempting to help make the idea stronger. So I've really worked hard on this weakness of mine. Um, it's actually known as intellectual humility. And intellectual humility is the ability to separate our ego from our intellect. So I needed to understand and realize that when someone was questioning me, it had nothing to do with my my intellect. They were really just trying to understand. But I would say that uh, this is definitely still a work in, in process for me. From a work or technical skill perspective, just one of my weaknesses, because uh, we'd be here for days if I went through all of them, uh, is design creativity. So th- this might sound kind of odd coming from a marketing person, but I'm not that great at advertising creative design. I can identify problems or frustrations and then define products or features or programs or processes to fix these problems or eliminate the frustration. But to find a truly clever, unique way of reaching an audience with that message is challenging for me. But thankfully, there are a lot of great marketing agencies and folks you can hire internally that are far more clever than I am in this area. Another element to being highly self-aware includes knowing your motivations. And I would say I was uh, highly motivated to go to college because I wanted to have or achieve financial security. I never wanted to rely on anyone to take care of me. I've always wanted to be able to provide for myself. And I won't go into all the factors that I think kind of contributed to this mindset, but I felt like needing to rely on others created this form of stress. And I just didn't want that that type of stress in my life. Of course, now I had other forms of stress that I took on as a result of this mindset, for sure. So I've worked hard to make sure I can take care of myself, which has also led me to be a very committed and loyal employee. I feel like my employer entrusted me to help them make their business successful. And then they paid me to help do that. So I've always kind of gone the extra mile to make sure I delivered on what was needed. But I learned of a new personal motivation a little bit later in in my career is that I have this need or what drives me, certainly in the workplace, uh, a, a career motivation is to improve the quality of products and then committing to strategies to achieve that goal. This motivation became a realization to me when when I was in this work situation where I could define strategies to help make improvements, but it seemed like we were always putting up internal obstacles to the successful execution of those strategies. And there was also a little bit uh, of an undertone in the culture that status quo is, is okay. And for me, status quo is not motivating. So I needed to opt out of that situation. It wasn't the right fit for me, and I didn't want to potentially burden the organization with my frustration. So 
I'm definitely motivated by new opportunities, finding a problem, defining a solution, and to make that solution successful. What's motivating me right now is getting rise in the hands of as many people as I can, for sure. I want everyone to embrace life with resilience and joy. I think learning who we are is how we find our joy. And I want this to be my gift to others and one of my purposes in life. I've also lately been inspired and motivated by some podcasts and audio books uh, that I've been listening to recently. I, I listen to audio when I'm working out or on a long drive, and it seems like I've gravitated to uh, the topics of self-help naturally, uh, a little bit naturally because of rise, or optimism or and uh, women motivating women, a lot of uh, business success and failure stories uh, type books and podcasts. And they're all just so inspiring. And I've been trying to uh, identify a commonality across all of them. And this is going to sound incredibly simplistic, but um, I believe that it's true, is that we all need to just define our goal or really define a mantra for whatever period we're in in our life, uh, whatever we want to accomplish. And we need to say it often and we need to go after it to achieve it so we can live it. There's additional information about the origins and evolutions of mantras in the app, so I won't go into great detail here, except to say that research has proven the benefits of this approach over and over. Mantras reduce distractions and help us stay focused on our goals or whatever we want out of life. The practice regulates chemicals in the brain, releasing endorphins and blocking stress hormones like cortisol. An example of a mantra might be, I'm enough if you're working on self-worth, or I'm living this day for the sole purpose of enjoying it if you're working on optimism, all the way to I will achieve or I will be successful at to I will make money, whatever you want out of life at a given time. Again, I, I know this is, sounds very simple and um I don't mean for it to be because it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work goes into making it happen, starting with just defining what our focus or goal is at any given point in time in our life. Uh, and, and one thing that is a guarantee for sure is that we'll be presented with obstacles. Life is going to be hard. It just is. And there's no doubt that we will all be challenged to overcome emotional, disappointing situations. I've probably made things sound a little easier than they've actually been as I've been on my self-awareness journey. But no, I've definitely had my fair share of obstacles. Pete and I experienced significant heartache when we were starting a family. And we ultimately decided that the best structure for our family, for us, long-term, was that it would consist of fur babies. So I think our hardships and disappointments are needed so that we can build our self-awareness. I'll close with one final topic, and it's if I consider myself successful or not, and, and why or why not. So yes, absolutely. I define success as loving relationships, and I know I'm successful because I'm so happy at this point in my life, and that's thanks to the amount of love that's just heaped on me all the time. I mentioned earlier that Pete and I are an adored uh, aunt and uncle. We have these precious little people in our life whose faces just light up when they see us. 
So that's pretty special. And I have the most amazing life partner. Pete has taught me how to love unconditionally, how to forgive, how to be a better storyteller, new ways of demonstrating kindness and respect to others, how truly not to sweat the small stuff, and how to laugh every day. I'm a spiritual person, and I believe that God brought Pete into my life and had us experience things together in order for me to learn and understand how God intends for us to live and interact with others. He brought this spectacular person into my life to teach me this very important lesson. That feels like a good self-awareness learning place to end. If you find our podcast interesting, please leave us a rating and review so others can benefit too. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.